Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Welcome back, those who were here last week and for those who are brand new. My name is Dennis. It's good to see you this morning. I can see that uh, we, at this point, I think we're awake, uh, even though that we lost an hour. It looks like you look good, and uh, I know you're praying for me this morning. We're in work week three of this Christian season called Lent, where we are in a current teaching series entitled, Jesus Is. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus is Teacher, the Sunday before Jesus is Carpenter, Today, our theme is Jesus is Teacher, and today we're going to talk about the healing presence of Jesus, and let me just give you a heads up. The healing presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is here, right now, in this place. The healing presence of Jesus is right here today, in this place. So let's go to the Word. Let's talk a little bit about this story that we'll look at today from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. We're going to the pool of Bethesda. Have you heard the name Bethesda before? It's a name that's often associated in our country with hospitals. There's a large hospital on the east side of Cincinnati in Montgomery called Bethesda North Hospital. I was born in the eastern Ohio town of Zanesville in a hospital called Bethesda. Our largest military hospital in the country is Walter Reed, and it's in Bethesda, Maryland. Where do we get that word Bethesda? Actually, it's in John chapter 5. It literally means house of mercy. In the first century, there was a hospital without walls located near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. In fact, look at verse 2. It says this, Now, there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Now, the Sheep Gate, where was that in Jerusalem? It was the gate leading into the temple where they would take the sheep for sacrifice. So it was a well-known area. But over the years, especially around 200 years ago, some of the biblical scholars said, well, this is only found in the New Testament. There's no evidence of this watering spot in Jerusalem. So it must not be true. And then... Archaeologists excavated a place just north of the Temple Mount, and they found this great pool of water. Actually, it was two pools. It was large, 150 by 300 feet. Now, there was a legend by the first century that said that an angel would come from time to time and stir the water. And whoever could get into the pool first would be healed. 
So people were all around waiting for the stirring of water that would take place. And here we have a man who was there for 38 years. I mean, that's longer than some of you have even lived on this planet or your kids have lived. And he was waiting for the stirring of the water, but he could not get in because of his disability. And he was longing and waiting for this stirring to take place once again. So I want you to envision a scene of desperation mingled with hope as these people, could this be the day? 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 And then Jesus walks into this place. Now notice some things from the story when you read it. Jesus didn't heal everyone at the pool that day, or at least we don't find that in the text. He didn't stand up on a chair with a megaphone and says, by the way, we're going to shut this place down by 5 p.m. No one will need this place anymore. I'm going to heal everyone. That didn't happen. In this story, he just went to one guy. It bids the question, why didn't Jesus heal everyone? There are times when he healed individuals. There are times when he healed groups of people, but we know that not everyone in Judea over those three years of his earthly ministry were healed. And if they were physically healed, it was temporary. All of Jesus' physical healings, in a sense, were temporary, meaning that later on those individuals died. As far as I know, there are no 2,000-year-old people walking around still in Palestine today because Jesus healed them. Or even Lazarus, who God, by the power of Jesus, raised, was raised back to life after being dead. He still died again. And so we ask the question, what's going on here? Well, Jesus often spoke about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is near you. He said, the kingdom of God is here and not yet. 300 times in the New Testament do we find that phrase, the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is established, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more disease. And in fact, in the book of Revelation, we see when Jesus comes, there'll be no more pain, no more death, for the old order of things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we long for that time. So Jesus came establishing the kingdom of God and so there was a present reality, but also a futuristic reality. The truth is that we're living between the times. We're living between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. And so during Jesus' ministry, we see glimpses of the future ministry breaking through. It was a foretaste of what will be in the future where all will heal, where no one will die. Now, what does that look like? I'm trying to unpack that in my mind. So think of it this way. Did you enjoy the weather on Monday here in the Miami Valley? 70 degrees, 73 degrees. Some of you were outside in shorts, t-shirt, weather, right? Maybe you took a walk. Maybe you were doing a little bit of spring cleanup. Maybe you were saying, wow, I love this. And then this morning happened, <laughs> right? The truth is we're still in winter, folks. We're officially in winter too for at least another week, but even after that, we may have some colder days. So last Monday, we got a foretaste of what is to come, where 
Probably in July, we won't have any snow in the Miami Valley. (laughs) I think we can assume that. That day is coming. Monday was here, but not yet. And so we see these breakthroughs into our world that's still fallen today. Jesus came, established the kingdom, yes, but it'll be fully realized in the future where we're not under this curse of a tainted world by sin. We look forward to that day as well. And so people still, when we pray, they we heal temporarily, but they still ultimately die. But there's coming a day. And we believe it as sure as we're standing here today. We'll look forward to that day where there'll be no more disease, no more death. But Jesus, in his earthly ministry, came to heal. It was much more than just physical. He came to restore. In fact, often we see the physical healing serve to point people to a greater purpose. Often it was the forgiveness of sins. In fact, even in this story today, later on, we'll see in verse 14, where after this man is healed, he's in the temple. Jesus saw him, went to him and said, now stop sinning (laughs) or worse things will come about. Pretty hard word from Jesus. But he made that point to say the ultimate purpose is to be healed and be restored to God. And so we have this story, John 5, 1 to 13, this paralyzed man, Jesus looks at him. He's got his focus on the water. He's got his focus on the bubbles of the water. Again, he had been paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus asked this odd question, verse six. Did you catch it? Do you want to be well? Hmm. Now, why would you ask that question? The guy's been hanging out for 38 years looking at the water, Jesus. Why would Jesus ask that question? Come on. Why would we ask the question here today? I mean, you made the decision to get out of bed on time change Sunday. You must want something or desire something or at least want to give God some praise. There are other things you could do. Why would Jesus ask that question? But it's also very interesting. The guy never answered him directly. (laughs) The next verse doesn't say, yes, I want to be. I'm trusting in you, Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to you. No, what did he do? He made an excuse for why he wasn't healed. He said, when the stirring of the water is taking place, someone gets in before me. I never get an opportunity. So again, he's, he's, he's woe is me. He's, he's talking about his problem. He sees this big problem in front of him. Jesus said, but do you want to be well? Is the question. And that's the question today. God won't force his way on you. We make daily choices. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes our choices determine our future. (laughs) Let me give you a little story here I heard a while back. There was this young man. He was so excited. He got this date, a person he had been longing for to go this dance with. He finally got it. So it was around Valentine's Day last month. And so he decided to go to the candy store to buy some chocolates. He thought that would be nice. Some people get flowers. He said, I want to give chocolates. And so when he got there, the man said, well, we have different assortments of chocolates, different boxes. What do you want? He says, well, 
The young man says, I don't know. Tell me. He says, well, we got $5 box. We got $10 box. We got $20 box. The guy thought about it for a little bit. He says, I got an idea. He says, why don't I take one of each? One of each, yeah. He says, what do you, what do you want one of each for? You got three days? He said, no, I got one day. He says, here's what I'm, I'm thinking right now. He says, in the $5 box, if it goes well, you know, she gives me a little hug afterwards. I'll say, here, I have these chocolates for you. I'll give her the $5 box. And the $10 box, if it goes really well, sir, and she even kisses me, I'll give her this box. He said, the $20 box, well, he said, if it goes really well and she invites me in for further conversation, <laughs> guy goes, oh. And so he packs up the boxes, put it in the bag. And so the young man goes home. He's so excited. He's taking a shower. He's putting on his best shirt, little cologne. And he goes to her house. So beautiful. He's so infatuated with her. She says, you know, before we go, my parents are here and they're getting ready to eat. Why don't we just have a bite to eat first here? They want to meet you and then we'll go to dance. And he was willing to do anything that she would ask. And so he said, I think that's a great idea. Went in, met the parents, they sat down. And the father said to the young man, well, why don't you offer the prayer tonight? He said, I'd be happy to, sir. And he prayed the most incredible spiritually uplifting prayer that a young person could pray. And the young lady just looked at him after he said, amen. He said, she said, I didn't realize that you were so spiritual. And he immediately said, I didn't realize that your dad owned a candy store. <laughs> hey, I had to break the ice. I was getting a little bit serious here. I mean, some of us are still waking up from time change Sunday. I had to lighten up. This is Gingensburg here, okay? But sometimes we make decisions that shape our future. Do you want to be well? But Jesus asked this man, I can't because of this, I can't because of this, I can't because of this, because of this problem or this person's getting ahead of me and this and this and this and that. Jesus said, do you want to be well? See, this man had his focus on the wrong thing. He had his focus on the water. It doesn't say that he's looking up to Jesus. His answer was found only one way. He could only see one way to his solution. Bubbles. Bubbles were his life. On his ringtone, he had the little song, Tiny Bubbles. His motto was, lose your troubles in the bubbles. Carbonation equaled salvation. <laughs> that was his answer. But he had to change his perspective. His answer incarnationally was standing in front of him in Jesus. Instead of looking at his mat, instead of looking at the bubbles, he needed to look to Jesus. What kind of healing would take place in your life, friends, if you would change your perspective and look to Jesus? Remember, physical healings are only one area that pointed to something greater. The presence of Jesus with his healing power is available here. There's always a greater healing that needs to be taken place. The healing of forgiveness of sins available to you. Some of you are just overwhelmed with guilt. Must I live with it forever? <laughs> From something that I've done last year or last week or last hour. There's healing for you through the blood of Christ in Jesus' name. We 
gather in a place where marriages are really fragile. Perhaps you need to look at things differently. You're looking at option A and B. Option A is be miserable. Option B is get a divorce. How about looking at it differently? How about today considering option C? which is allowing Jesus to begin to heal both of you and to heal your marriage, you see. Instead of looking at things one way, perhaps some of us are overwhelmed with an addiction. We see no way out but one way. Maybe there's another alternative today. When we begin to look at our situation differently, things change. In the book, The Me I Want to Be Becoming the Best God's best version of you, Pastor John Ortberg, tells the story of theologian Henry Nowen and, treasure, and Trevor. Let me just read this to you. I think you'll really enjoy this. Some of you, have you heard of Henry Nowen, by the way? That very uh, famed writer, theologian, Catholic theologian, but has certainly ministered to Protestants. So here's the story. Henry Nowen, a priest and teacher who moved in exalted circles of Harvard and Yale and Notre Dame, came to believe that those settings did not, for him, call forth the person God intended him to be. So this famous writer spent the last decade of his life caring for physically and mentally challenged residents of a small community in Montreal, Canada. There, Henry made friends with a resident named Trevor, who had many mental and emotional challenges. One time, when Trevor was sent to a hospital for evaluation, Henry called to arrange a visit. When the authorities found out that he was coming, Henry asked if he could have lunch with Trevor at the hospital. They asked him if he would meet with some of the doctors and chaplains and clergy. He agreed, and when he arrived, there was a lovely luncheon laid out in the golden room, but Trevor was not there. Where's Trevor? Henry asked. He cannot come to the lunch, they told him. Patients and staff are not allowed to have lunch together. No patient has ever had lunch in the golden room, but the whole purpose of my visit was to have lunch with Trevor, Henry said. If Trevor is not allowed to attend the lunch, then I will not attend either. A way was found for Trevor to attend the lunch. The golden room was filled with people who were quite excited that the great Henry Nowen was in their midst. Some angled to be close to him. Some pretended to have read books they had not read and known ideas that they did not know. Others were upset that this rule separating patients and staff had been broken. Trevor, oblivious to all this, sat next to Henry, who was engaged in a conversation with the person on his other side. Consequently, Henry did not notice that Trevor had risen to his feet. A toast, Trevor said. Now I will offer a toast. The room grew quiet. What in the world is this guy going to do? Everyone wondered. Then Trevor began to sing. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. At first, people were not sure how to respond, but Trevor was beaming. His face and voice told everyone how glad and proud he was to be there with his friend Henry. Somehow, Trevor, in his brokenness and joy, gave a gift that no one else in the room could give. People began to sing. 
softly at first, but then with more enthusiasm until doctors and priests and PhDs were almost shouting, if you're happy and you know it. All under the direction of Trevor. No one was pretending anymore. No one was worried about the rules. No one tried to separate the PhDs from the ADDs. For a few moments, a room full of people moved towards the best version of themselves because a wounded healer named Henry Nowen, who lived among the challenged, and because a challenged man named Henry was living out the best version of himself, end quote. My friends, do you get it? When you fix your eyes on Jesus, instead of your problem, instead of your disease, instead of your informity, when you fix your eyes on, that's when your holistic healing begins. Do you believe that? Jesus said, do you want to be well? Jesus looked right at this guy as if he was saying, look at me. I think Jesus would say right now to you, look at me. Verses eight and nine, Jesus told him this, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, this man was healed. And he rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. (laughs) Thanks be to God. I want to leave you today with another image story. There's a place in Northwest Canada named Signpost Forest. It is uh, in the Yukon on the Alaskan Highway. I've been there twice. The last time was in 2018. I was on a motorcycle with my buddy, Bill Bartram. Who's Bill Bartram? He's kind of a celebrity motorcyclist from Columbus. In fact, he's sitting right there. Stand up real quick. I'm not going to have you come up, but uh, come on, Bill. Let's see Bill today. You're in the picture. He's even tougher in person than in the picture there. So thank you, Bill. So we were together there riding to the Arctic Ocean. And we stopped at this famous signpost forest. Anybody been on the Alaskan Highway? If you have, you stopped there. So it's a remarkable little place. Now, what is all this? So during the Second World War, the United States was very concerned about a land invasion of Japan into Alaska. They realized there's no way that they could connect the lower 48 to Alaska outside of air and sea. No land road. And so they partnered with the Canadian government to build a road from the lower 48 to Alaska. And then they would later turn it over to Canada. It was a a, a master feat to do something like this in the short time that they did it. Of course, it was just a rugged road, dirt road, gravel. Um, The road actually was not paved fully until 1996. And still today, there are sections of it's always under construction. But there was an American soldier in 1942 who was stationed there in Watson Lake, Yukon. And he was homesick. 
And so he took a wood board and he made a directional sign and he put his hometown, Danville, Illinois, 2,835 miles, and he put it up to a post. Other GIs were there with him, and so they said, great idea, let's put our town. And so they also carved out signs, and they got the mileage and said, you know, Houston, Texas so far, and um, Boise, Idaho, your Pennsylvania, Zanesville, Ohio, this and that, all over. They put their own signs. Well, over the years after the war, tourists started coming up and seeing the signs. And so they decided, what an idea. We'll put our signs up as well. And today, now get this. You can't make this up. There are 80,000 signs in the signpost for us. Right, Bill? Covers several acres all around. It's absolutely incredible. Anybody that travels the Alaskan Highway stops there or at least sees this incredible place. It tells me at least two things. Number one, whoever you are, there's a longing deep inside of each of us to go home. The second thing it says is we're not there yet. But today, as we stand up, that we make an effort to take a step forward to Jesus. We pick up the mat Every step to Jesus is one step closer to our ultimate healing for all of eternity. Do you want to be well? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, here you stand at our Bethesda beside each of us here in this room and those worshiping online. You found us in the crowd. You know right where we are. You know our mat is right here as well. You know the place of helplessness where we struggle in our lives. Maybe it's some addiction, some habit we can't break that we need healing, a hurt that causes us to lash out, a family conflict, a failing, struggling marriage, a failure or some disease. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to want to be healed. Give us the faith to trust you, to receive new life, to receive forgiveness of sins through the power of the cross. We turn from everything that we know is wrong. We repent and we seek to live free, to love one another and serve you with joy and freedom. Help us to rise up and walk. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.